I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today, we are talking with Alexa Glazer. Alexa is a speaker, author, and leader. She uses her words, both written and spoken, to honestly and openly connect with you, your heart, and your greatest desires. Alexa is Cleveland-made, but adventure-grown. That is a really good hint at her Enneagram type. She's a full-time feeler powered by love and hugs, a grief advocate, and stranger who will be your best friend in 30 seconds. She's on the pursuit of peace and never plays it small. Her superpower is how much she believes in people and possibilities. She's not perfect and she doesn't want to be and you shouldn't either. Alexa will give you the permission to feel seen, heard, and loved so that you can experience being truly alive in your human experience. I met Alexa through being on her podcast, Chasing Alignment, and I'm excited to put her on the hot seat now and really dive into some good Enneagram 7 camaraderie. Alexa, welcome to the show. It's nice to hear chat with you again. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for this conversation and I appreciate you having me on here and just sharing me with your community. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. So um, as you know, we start every episode with your rosebud and thorn. What are yours today? Yes. I would say that my rose is just really honoring this spiritual journey that I'm on and allowing kind of my brain, heart, and gut to all say the same things and truly to let that happen. It feels very good and also very strange to let that happen. I would say my bud is knowing that spring is coming and I am someone who deeply, deeply needs my sunshine. And I live in Cleveland, Ohio. It is gray a lot. And so knowing that it's near-ish feels very good. And then lastly, my thorn. Lately, it's just knowing that adult inconveniences are always going to be a part of my life and knowing I just can't control it and not let it frustrate me like it has been very recently. Mm -hmm. I recently wrote like... Or what I used as my thorn recently, like having to do the dishes every day. Like we have to do this every single day, Mm -hmm. these dishes. Like, how is this my life? I feel that. I I, am renting right now. And just, yeah, the little things that you feel like you don't have time for, that you have to do it. I'm like, shouldn't we just have things that are set up for life? Like even things that people say are set up for life. You never have to sign up for this again. Mm-hmm. Like that's not that that's not true. We just have to deal with it and to try and get the ability to not let it bother you is so hard. And that is what I'm trying to figure out how to do right now. I feel you on that. So Alexa, can you tell me like what's your Enneagram story? How did you find it? Did you immediately know that you were type seven? What was your journey? Oh yes, I would say that I am a hard seven and it is funny because how I found it is also a testament to me being such a hard seven. I, a couple years ago before the pandemic, lived in a van traveling the country, going from place to place, really at that time thinking that that was full aliveness and experiencing life. Mm -hmm. And I was surrounded by really good people. A couple brought up the Enneagram. And I've always been really interested in self-development, I would say, and just mindset, discipline, motivation. And when I learned about the Enneagram, I instantly was attracted to how the seven made me feel so understood for the first time in my life. 
truly understood. I had listened to a podcast, I started reading everything, and I just felt like every time I dove deeper in, it would bring me to full on tears of just, oh my gosh, I didn't know these things about me and feeling kind of called out with some of the more icky feelings that each number has, right? That you, mm-hmm. you don't want to admit that this is a part of you, but it is. And that journey has been very special. And I just keep trying to tap in, tap in, tap in to just really understanding me and how I show up as a human being. Mm. You know how like every, or I think like, I've always had like an escape plan for like mm-hmm. no matter what phase of life I'm in, no, how, no matter how good it is. Um, a van, van life is my current escape plan. It's like the thing I'm like, well, if all else fails, yeah, I'll buy a van and then like I'll be infinitely happy and nothing bad will ever happen. That won't be stressful or sad or hard. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like obviously wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was though my escape plan without knowing it was my escape plan. I even, this is actually funny because when I first learned about the Enneagram, Sure. I I noticed these icky feelings that would come over my body when I felt called out with knowing that our greatest fear is avoiding pain or depriving ourselves of feeling trapped and that stuckness that is so relatable for sevens. But what I really attached to when I found out that I was a seven was, oh my gosh, we're so much fun. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, we're the life of the party oh my gosh, you are living in your seven by living in a van right now. I, at that point, didn't associate with because I was doing exactly what we do as sevens. And the feeling I felt was, oh my gosh, I do feel trapped. Oh my gosh, if I admit that I do avoid pain a little bit, if I admit that I'm running away from my feelings and my grief right now, and all of this sadness that's underneath the joy of traveling and being an optimist and being the life of the party... If I admit it, it means it's real. And so for honestly, a year probably, I really just was like, everyone wants to be a seven because we're so fun. I get Mm -hmm. to be starry-eyed and childlike forever. Yeah. Gosh, the sentence for me that like switched it for me, because I was the same way. I was like, ooh, being a seven is like a cool one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I read the sentence that I like lean on my charm to Mm. get away with things Mm. and Mm -hmm. I was like I hate this I hate this so much because I think so much even like I think that there's an element and and privilege is like a different you know it has a it's a charged word yeah but I mean it in the sense I'm using it here in the sense of um the privilege of just like having an friendly personality that people typically enjoy being around and how much I was able to get away with because of that, like in my younger years Um, and having to kind of, as I've gotten older and gotten married and like seen that like, Oh, it's not like that for everybody. I just, and I think I just dodged a lot of responsibility too. And was just like, those consequences don't belong to me. I'll move, do something else. (laughs) Yes. And looking at that was like really, really intense. Yeah. It it kind of, the optimism too comes into play when you're like, oh, well, everything will be fine eventually. Like that's Mm -hmm. kind of the thing I realized I was doing of, I noticed I was experiencing traumatic things that I was in unhealthy relationships that I had lost my dad at a young age. 
being a seven, like you still, of course, experience things that just wreck you, but it is the inability to go into the things that wreck you. And so me being this optimism or showing myself or showing other people that, oh, well, you can smile again. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what like I started like really realizing I was doing and that at the time I learned about the Enneagram and just how I lived my life prior, it was like, oh my goodness, I'm allowing myself to think that strength is showing myself people I can smile. When Mm. now getting into this healthier version of my seven, I'm realizing strength is actually in vulnerability. And that vulnerability is hard and scary and uncomfortable. And it goes against everything a seven wants Mm -hmm. to go into. But in that is where we find that true happiness that all of us sevens really want. Um, Mm -hmm. Before you and I jumped on, I just kind of was getting in the right frame of mind for this conversation. And something I had wrote down was that true happiness, it can't be manufactured. Mm -hmm. And I think as sevens, we try to manufacture the sevens, even if it's not coming from a place of realness. And that true happiness is a result of feeling all of your feelings, not just happy. And it's a result of truly living, which means living in all that the human experience is, which is not all butterflies, rainbows, and unicorns, like us sevens sometimes think we live in this world (laughs) that's like that. Yeah, it's almost like when you're talking about it, it's almost like I can feel the difference of running, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, I'm running toward happiness. I'm like running, running, running. I'm And I'm going to outrun my fear, my sadness, my guilt, my frustration, and I'm going to run straight towards happiness mm-hmm. versus I'm going to be, I'm going to sit and I'm going to be in what is mm-hmm. and let happiness come to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's so, that's such a thing that's like so hard for us to understand is that something can come to us, but when we realize that we can't control anything and it truly is letting everything come to us and just whatever arrives at your door, let yourself experience that. And of course, mm-hmm. so much easier said than done, but something for me in the, in the last year, I've really realized I started therapy for the first time. And because as a seven, that was really hard for me. Like I can't ask for help. I can do this alone. Mm -hmm. If I go sit in a chair and talk about my feelings, I know some things are really going to come up for me that are uncomfortable. And so I finally had started that and something that really resonates. And I think about this daily, I walked into therapy and I was like, I am so sad and I just want to stop being sad. Help me stop being sad. And he looked at me and he's like, that's great. It's Mm. like, simply put, just that's great. And I was like, did you hear anything I just said? I said, I'm sad all the time. And he literally just said to me, sadness is a reminder that you are truly alive, Mm. that you are truly experiencing. So here I was thinking, no, experiencing life is living in a van and seeing mountains and all the sunsets I can see and connecting with people and feeling joy when actual joy is not felt by doing those things. Actual joy or peace, better yet, is allowing yourself to feel sadness and grief and mm-hmm. frustration and disappointment and all of these things that so many of us, more than just sevens, we try to avoid. Mm-hmm. You kind of speaking of that, 
you call yourself a grief advocate. How did mm-hmm. you get from Enneagram 70 to grief advocate? Yeah. So eight years ago, I lost my dad um, completely unexpectedly. And it was a phone call that I received. I was living on the opposite side of the country than my family. And I didn't get a call with hopes and possible hugs. I got the call that Lex dad died. And in that moment, the entire world just went on pause and I was stuck knowing that I was going to have to face all of these things that I knew, of course, I was going to have to face one day, but that's what we focus on too as sevens as is the future one day, whether it's an Mm -hmm. exciting thing or a safety to know that it's not going to happen right now. Mm-hmm. And I definitely did not. It took me seven years to allow myself to truly feel my grief. And so one thing I think a lot of sevens can possibly resonate with is, again, I said I went through traumatic things. I went through sad things. Of course, we all are experiencing life, which is filled with hard, sad things. But it's one thing to just know you're sad for a moment and then to actually internalize that and let yourself transform because of it. And so Mm -hmm. I went on and I I wrote a book um, literally just to cope with my grief. And I was like, oh, whatever, maybe I can help one person, but I'm going to try to cope. And in that, I realized I need to let myself have the capacity for what I have capacity for. And so this future me, this now me needs to remember that because at times I also get really down on myself for not feeling this sooner. Mm -hmm. And so for anyone that is going through grief, it's allow yourself to just go through what you have capacity. And that means still going internal and not run away from it. But it doesn't mean you have to like dive into everything as intensely as you might want to one day. Mm-hmm. And just in the process of now living in a worldwide pandemic where I literally had to stop and be stuck and feel a little trapped, that is where I was like, oh my goodness, I thought that I was grieving for the last seven years and I wasn't at all. Mm-hmm. And I was faced in moving out of my van living in the house that my dad died in and being back in a city I grew up in and all these things that just were like, oh my God, every fear you have as a seven and as a human being is literally happening in your life right now. Mm -hmm. And there is no way to escape it. So you have to be in it, live in it, feel alive, even though you don't want to get out of bed. And this piece was like, I wanted people to know that that piece of grief is terrible and it's hard to get out of bed and you don't feel alive, although you are, but there's this other side of grief that no one talks about that grief actually lets you feel empowered. You might feel inspired by your grief. And then to know on the deepest level, we grieve because we love so deeply. Mm -hmm. And that is like the most beautiful thing to think about is we love so deeply because we grieve so deeply and we grieve so deeply because we love so deeply. Mm -hmm. And if you can attach yourself to that little bit of hope, and maybe that is the seven in me is like, I'm going to allow myself to feel this grief, but I'm also going to remember that it's because of love. And for me personally, that is like the one thing everyone needs. And so many things could be resolved with that love, but it's just, I want people to feel less scared in their grief. That is like my biggest thing is you don't need to feel alone and you have survived a hundred percent of your days. Even if you're still in bed listening to this podcast right now, 
you have survived 100% of your days. Let's give it up for America's online butcher good shop. With Good Chop, you get a flexible monthly subscription plan for high-quality American meat and seafood. Choose the medium or large plan and enjoy your favorite cuts of beef, chicken, pork, and seafood. Delivered flash-frozen for freshness and sealed with dry ice inside an insulated box. I love Good Chop because of the easy access to high-quality products. Good Chop offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep. You can order fully customized boxes. You can choose beef, chicken, seafood, and pork products you like the most. So for example, for beef, you can order well-marbled Angus Choice and Prime Cuts or get delicious 100% grass-fed steaks whatever you prefer. Seafood, you can get sustainable and wild-caught, whether you want salmon, Pacific cod, or something else. And there's something for everyone. Mouth-watering ribeyes, flavorful T-bones, wild-caught salmon, tender chicken breasts, and so much more. And Good Chop has only the good stuff, so Good Chop especially prides itself on sourcing beef that comes with no antibiotics or added hormones ever. Personally, I got the seafood box, which came with shrimp. It came with scallops. It came with two different types of fish. We have been having an amazing time. We just keep it in the freezer and it's so nice to pull out really nice quality seafood to make for dinner whenever we want it. We've been making the salmon like crazy. We have a meal already planned for the scallops we're so excited about. And I even got to share some of the fish with our neighbor who had nothing but amazing things to say. Good Chop sources only the good stuff, which is why they feel confident about their 100% money back guarantee. Love Good Chop or get your money back. If you're interested in delicious meat, go to goodchop.com slash egram100 and use the code egram100 to get $100 off your first three boxes. That's goodchop.com slash egram100 and use code egram100 to get $100 off your first three boxes. Thank you, Good Chop, for supporting the podcast. I think there's something really special about that, that blending, like once an Enneagram seven is integrating into their pain and allowing Mm -hmm. their pain to exist, being able to hold both the hope that kind of comes more naturally to us with the willingness to validate and acknowledge the reality of pain, Mm -hmm. having both of those at the same time, I think is so helpful Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like healing for, for for me, at least, you know, I've experienced that and I, I hear it in the way that you talk about it, like this sense of like, yes, this sucks mm-hmm. and I'm allowed to feel terrible right now and it's okay that I feel terrible right now and I believe that it will not always be this way, mm-hmm. which and I think sometimes we think it's if I feel it, I won't ever stop feeling it. Right. I have felt that so many times and I think that is this. This is a such a paradox because it feels really good when you're in sad moments and when you're feeling something great, it all it feels scary. But to know that everything we face in life is temporary. And again, the seven in me, when I am feeling super overjoyed about something, is like, no, this can't be temporary. And I want to grasp at it like it's straws, right? Mm-hmm. But to remember that in the face of any type of suffering, to know that this is temporary as well. There is so much safety in knowing that. 
And that's where I think too, is like something I would love to challenge just sevens on is to reframe this pursuit of happiness and just move towards a pursuit of peace. Mm. And that peace to me is being okay with whatever moment is right in front of you. And something I've really attached to is I've always been a believer in everything happens for a reason, even though that's so cliche. And we hear that a lot of times when people are trying to give empathy, but don't necessarily know how to. Mm-hmm. But if you can cling on and truly allow yourself to take steps back to see how every single moment you've been through has brought you to this exact moment and your circle of peers and people you love, like everything that they've done has brought you to this moment and to find that perfection and that beauty and that love and that joy in that, I think that's what helps us um, bring peace into our life, which is a version of happy. If you can look at it far enough back. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but and I don't know how much you know about like my story, but in 2020, I lost, I lost my dad mm-hmm. and it was kind of the first time that I experienced grief, yeah, like truthfully. And I remember the phases, not the like five phases of grief that we hear about, but like my phases of like, there were times, you know, it was just like, I can't do it today. Like I can't show up. I can't do anything but feel But then there came a time where there was just a moment. It was like, I mean, months later, months later. And grief, I think, will last the rest of my life. Like, I don't think that I will ever stop dealing with grief, right? Mm -hmm. But there was a moment where I was like, it's time for me to feel better now. Yeah. Like, it's time for me to, like, take some action toward feeling better because I had almost over, not even overcorrected, but the process that I went through with grief through allowing it to exist took me to such a, such a place of like being in my feelings that I didn't know if I'd, I was like, I don't know the way out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was trying not to rush that process, but I think like naturally there just came a time where I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to start thinking about how this positively impacted me how this did inspire me in some ways, how it made me more a more liberated version of myself. And also like all of the feeling was valid too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think we know like intuitively, instinctually, like it's time. I'm ready. Yeah. And I think that that's actually something really scary to mm-hmm. also say and kind of come to terms with. And to know that by you saying I'm ready doesn't mean I'm forgetting. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm fully accepting what happened. It doesn't mean I'm letting go of memories or feelings that I had because that for me was something I really feared was if I say I'm okay, does that mean I'm, I have moved on? Because that felt disingenuine. It, it made me feel like the love was gone and it, it brought me a lot of shame actually to think that I could be okay. Uh, mm-hmm. on any given day. And then the other piece of what you said at at some point, we do go back to that charm of being a seven and that, okay, this is the one time that someone will not force me or want me or expect me to show up in a room and smile and Ooh, be that yeah. life of the party. And it's like, it's going to take you losing someone or that deep of grief 
for you to lose the shame of just having an off day or a bad day oh or a bad gosh. couple hours. You're so yeah, right. Just, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And like our missed messaging, like from childhood is like, will someone else take care of me? Mm-hmm. And I had to let my husband take care of me. And I didn't think he would. I didn't mm-hmm. think that he would love me if I was still sad. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to get real sick of it real fast mm-hmm. and be like, okay, I'm going to need you to buck up now, buddy. You know, mm-hmm. but he doesn't talk to me like that. I talk to me like that. Right. And like he never did that. He, he was fully patient and willing to sit with it, but I was rushing, you know, it was like me projecting onto him what I thought I deserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's also a piece oppositely of there's times where I know someone else is going through something. And this is partly just like the empath in me as well of like, I want to take this pain away because I I know that I can put a smile over that, that pain, Mm -hmm. the pain that they're feeling I can fix by being optimistic. And that means that like, now I'm taking away someone's pain and just holding on to it, but putting a smile over it. So now this room is still pain free. Mm -hmm. And going inward, it's like, do you do that? Because you also actually don't know how to react to someone else's pain. Mm-hmm. because you don't know how to do it internally in your own. So it's, I always like, you can't love someone at a higher level than you love yourself. And so how can you know someone else's pain if you can't go internally? And that of course is a piece of empathy is trying to get yourself to feel for someone else. But what I did was I just tried to take that away from everyone, mm-hmm. which means I'm taking people's, my terminology is just like their aliveness away from them. And who am I to, to take someone's feeling of being alive away from them? That is such good language for communicating that sensation for sevens. Like, like instead of saying like, that's because oftentimes we can say, well, the way I've talked to myself about it is like, that's toxic positivity. You don't want to be toxic. Mm-hmm. But that's a kind of demotivating language. Mm -hmm. But like speaking to ourselves in the sense of like you're taking their aliveness away. Mm -hmm. You're taking their – like that's so motivating for the part of us that just wants to live this beautiful, magical existence. And we want that for everyone else too. And like sadness is part of that. Mm -hmm. It it heightens it. So it's like for me to now be able to understand that my sadness and all of these other icky feelings, I like to call them because they're, they're not good or bad feelings. They're good or lesser of the good is like what I like to say. And so knowing that feeling the lesser of the good is going to heighten all of my goods and all of my better feelings that I get to experience. And for me to be so drawn and crave that, it allows me that space and gives me a little bit of grace to allow myself to feel that and to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard too. And, and tell me if you feel this, but like, I find it hard sometimes to step out of that. Like, um, sometimes when things get hard, my, my first response is like teacher mode. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, here's what we can learn from this. Here's what I know, or here's, you know, and I think that that's a skill that is useful in our life. Mm -hmm. And then there's like times where we do it to ourselves or we do it to others. And it's like, not the time, you know, and like Mm -hmm. other people know like, oh, this is not the time. But like, sometimes it takes me a minute 
to slow down enough to just be like, oh, you just need me to feel with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's harder. It's, it's so much harder. And it's funny because even you explaining that, that to me is just like when every part of the seven, how the, the unhealthy seven moves towards the one and the healthier seven moves towards the five of what you just explained to me is like the teacher is like, I'm going to try to move to my healthy state by getting all the information and knowledge. Mm-hmm. But I'm also simultaneously going to move to my one of trying to be a perfectionist within that and like pick and choose what works for me mm-hmm. to ultimately feel at happiness. And that is something I've actually realized a lot about the Enneagram more recently is I'm not just a seven leaning towards my like healthier five or just mm-hmm. a seven leaning towards my unhealthier one. Sometimes they literally all show up simultaneously antagonizing one another yeah. It's where you just have to like, again, go inward and use all of this as a tool, use your understanding as a tool to allow yourself to just follow that intuition a little bit more. And that intuition might be saying, feel this, feel this. It's uncomfortable, but I'm here. Let me in. Mm-hmm. Mm. So if you were talking to someone, maybe a f- you know, and I think anyone going through grief or anyone mm-hmm. who's kind of navigating the safety to feel for the first time mm-hmm. and you can make their journey a little bit easier. What would you, what's like the one thing you would want them to know? I think very short version is knowing that your aliveness literally stems from allowing all of your feelings in. And so for everyone, think about you walking into a room and feeling safe in that room filled with people. And you feel safe by people seeing you and noticing you and saying hi to you and complimenting you, smiling at you. It's not ignoring you. And so if you can look at all of your feelings, your happy ones, your sad ones, your angry ones, everything under the spectrum, if you can look at your feelings as if they are human beings and knowing that if you don't want to be ignored, either do your feelings And I know that that's sometimes hard to like get behind and it feels a little bit woo at times. It's like, oh, I'm talking to my feelings as if they're people, but they're just feelings. But I've learned that when I truly do that and remind myself what it feels like to be ignored, what it feels like to be talked down on, what it feels like to not be noticed, seen, heard, and loved... And I, I feel that, especially as a seven, that like makes me so cringy to think, oh my goodness, someone's not seeing me. Oh my gosh, someone's not seeing the smile. Well, my feelings want the exact same thing. Mm. So allow them a spot at your table, pull up the seat, snuggle them, put them in your pocket. You're allowed to say, I see you, but you don't get control, but still say, I see you. Let them in. I'm going to do that. Mm. It's life changing. Alexa, are you ready for rapid fire questions? I am. I'm excited. Um, The first book that comes to mind. Daring Greatly, Brene Brown. Mm, A favorite song. I do, Jay Giles Band. Um, Something you wish people knew about you. That sometimes I'm really sad. Your dream day, what are you doing? Sitting in the sun being very present to life and just the smells and everything I'm experiencing. And it, it ends with a good book and a sunset. Your final meal. What are you eating? Steak and potatoes. Very Midwest of me. Do you put your, do you dip anything, your steak in anything? 
I'm like a gravy person. I want like, I'm the, the saucy, but just like very beefy gravy. <laughs> like brown gravy or yes. like white gravy? Okay. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I'm like, okay, I have questions. Um, your food for thought, like something you want people to walk away thinking about today. I know I've said it multiple times in this, but truly like your sadness shows that you are alive. So let mm-hmm. it in. And Alexa, where can we keep in touch? Can we buy your book? Yes, it is on my website, alexaglazer.com. I have my first book on there. And my second book is actually in the copy edit process right now. So that'll be going live in June. Everything else is also on Amazon. And I hang out mostly over on Instagram at alexaglazer underscore. Sweet. And um, we will make sure to link everything in the show notes for you so y'all can easily get in touch with Alexa, grab her book. And I just appreciate you so much taking the time to come over and talk about this. Um, As a seven talking about grief, it's surprisingly enjoyable. Yes. So enjoyable. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. And I love you guys so much. (laughs) 